Um, okay, let's... Cat's eye! <laughs> Just read the music. Welcome to the episode... Cat's eye! <laughs> split to split split media synesthesia. Help. To the king. back to hell to the king we're the synesthesia boys and we got our cat's eyes on you cat's eye we're the synesthesia boys the synesthesia boys Uh, you need a job done called the synesthesia boys i someone i was telling someone at a party the other day about what i'm doing with my life and i was like hey i'm doing a podcast now called synesthesia but it's spelled wrong and they were like oh okay (laughs) that seems like the right uh (laughs) level of of reaction yeah yeah Uh, jason i don't know if um if i've mentioned my vehicular situations enough for this to be interesting to listeners at all but i checked in with you a couple of days ago when we were doing firestarter and i had zero out of three vehicles working i think uh and i uh one of them is almost working now and then one of the other ones i took to uh shop today and they looked at it and they were like oh this is a simple issue you're um your fuel line is just bent. It's crimped up over here. So placed a little bit of fuel line and then it was running fine. And I drove about a quarter of a mile. I like left as they were closing. I drove about a quarter of a mile and my headlight caught on fire. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's where I'm at. I feel like it's worth clarifying certain experiences for the listening audience. We should have done this to run out yesterday's episode. Because uh, <laughs> I actually have things to say about this movie. But um, one of the episodes previous, we were delayed recording for about 20 minutes because I received a text from Jim that said, Oh no, I dropped a piece of metal in the dark grass working on my car. I need to find it. And then 20 minutes later, I got a text that said, whatever, let's record. After we record, I'm just going to drag the grass with a magnet. <laughs> it's true. And it worked. I found it with a magnet. Um, I, I also, the last, time, the last time I was in Texas with you, uh, <laughs> we definitely had to stop uh, or jump out of the car every time. We had to stop at a stoplight yeah, to jump yeah. your car. Yeah, yeah. It wouldn't hold an idle. So, Jason, <laughs> I had a little jumper box, and Jason would run out at every point. <laughs> So we could restart the car. <laughs> anyway, I'm a man who lives in a garbage pile. <laughs> Cat's eye! <laughs> Jim, I cannot fathom that this movie yeah. is by Louis Teague. It is significantly better than Cujo. This is the same director as Cujo. Yeah, big step up from the Cooge. It is also, Jason, at first I thought a direct sequel to Cujo, and then I realized it must. this movie must canonically happen in the middle of the movie Cujo, because it starts with Cujo from Cujo chasing a cat down a street, and Cujo dies at the end of Cujo. That's true, but the cat then gets on a, a, a ship? Yes. Or in a truck? Yeah. So- how long the cat's in the truck cujo could i'm be just saying by the time the this truck makes it to the begins city begins during cujo it is the same quote to cujo yes, it is yeah and yet and yet um 
My God! It's it also it's also set in a movie. It's also set in a world where the movie Christine exists, Jason. <laughs> because there's a car yes. with a bumper sticker that references Christine. It's this movie is a full um, slam a jam into your brain. Yeah, it's so, not going to let you know the rules. It's a the movie's an anthology film that uses yes. a cat to link the stories. This yes. cat sort of travels all over the country, wandering in and out of different people's lives, and it wanders into these three stories yeah. that are all, uh, you know, Stephen King stories. Um, the beginning, the cat is being chased by Cujo and runs past a car with a bumper sticker for Christine and probably some other things that I didn't even catch. Sure, yeah. Um, Sissy Spacek. Christine, by the way. Yeah, 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 I would put the, that bumper sticker's on bumper sticker. a... Um, I've seen oh, like it a Fury or something. on the on the new book rack at Brookline Booksmith. Oh, really? Used bookstores. That exact bumper sticker. That exact bumper That's sticker. So yeah. funny. I assume they just made that for the movie. I mean, maybe they did. No. And, well, I mean, maybe, but they yeah. also sold it. That's no, great. no shitter's going to get between me and Christine. <laughs> <laughs> and I saw it and took a picture of it and sent it to my friend Christine, and she's like, "Yeah, I've seen it." <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, probably you have. You're like, yeah, but it's still true. Get over it, Christine. So the big differences that I'm going to hang on uh, between Cujo and this, mm-hmm. I'm going to, maybe unfairly to Louis Teague, yeah. but also, no, <laughs> I don't know how fair we need to be to Louis Teague. Yeah. I'm going to uh, fall back on Orson Welles, who... Who is not in this movie. The, the average director is the most useless person on a film set. Yeah. Now, that's the average director, and, and, you know, there are above-average directors like Mr. Wells himself, but the average director on a film set doesn't really matter if you have a screenplay that works, mm-hmm. have technicians that know what they're doing, and you have actors who are going to show up and, and do, their, do their jobs. Sure. Um, this movie has James Woods. Yes. Certified creep, but brilliant actor, James Woods. Absolute creep, brilliant actor. It has Drew Barrymore at Firestarter age. Yes. We have already gushed over her preternatural acting ability. Fact. Um, it has... Who else does this have? It has, has some... It definitely has other people. Somebody else who's amazing. Um, who, oh, who, 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 who was in it? The, the, the old gambler in the second one is, this, is an amazing dude. Uh, he, he's like a... Big, he is. Who, 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 I'm blanking on his name. Uh, uh, this is going to kill me. Um, no, Jason, carbohydrates uh, are going to kill you. Uh, all right, well, I'll, I'll come back to it, but he's yeah. great. Figure it out. Um, uh, oh, 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 he's, 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 uh, Baron Harkonnen in, or Vladimir Harkonnen, yeah, in, in David Lynch's Dune. And he's... Oh, whoa, I didn't put that in, together. Uh, um, the taking of Pelham one two three is he? He's in what? Where is he? Oh, here I found him! I found him! I found him! Uh, this is so important to me. Uh, he was in the original Broadway production of American Buffalo. <laughs> named Kenneth McMillan. Um, right. and he's fucking great. Um, he is really good in this yeah. movie. I mean, and yes. I assume in all those others. Yeah, yeah, So I and and just the, there's other everybody even the people who you don't necessarily recognize right away, they all show up to work. Yes. Everyone so in this acting, movie is doing what they need to do. Yeah, the acting is good. The screenplay itself is by Stephen King. Yes. Which is I think overall a positive. I really has learned 100% agree. 
Well, we can talk about that. But I would say at least he has learned something, some more about screenwriting, I think, probably from his work on Creepshow. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, yes. this is a step up. It is more cinematically from Creepshow. than Creepshow, for sure. Um, and, it like, everything pretty much works. We can, there, there might be some quibbles. We can talk about that in a minute. Let's quibble. Um, but, like, it's, it's obviously definitely better than whatever Mouth Breather wrote Cujo. Yes. Um, and it's it's a step up from King's already work that we already sort of appreciated in Creepshow for its you know purposeful shallowness and simplicity. Um, music by Alan Silvestri. Mm-hmm. I don't remember who did the music for Cujo. But it was probably fine, but Alan Silvestri's a dude. Yeah, he's a step up um, from whoever. Yeah, did like that he last he matters even if and it was the, him but younger. The big one. Yeah. Did you see who shot this movie? If I did, I didn't write it down. Jack motherfucking Cardiff. Whoa. Okay. Shot this I did movie. Not see that. AKA Jack Cardiff probably directed this movie. Sure. Yeah. Um, I, I'm sorry if Lewis Teague is still alive and listening. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry if he's still alive. Zing. No, no matter what Lewis Teague could have done on set, the person who shot black narcissus, mm-hmm. red shoes, mm-hmm. And under Capricorn, mm-hmm. and I just so many other movies, yeah. the African Queen. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I, that that makes all the difference in the world. This movie feels like somebody knew what they were doing when they moved the camera. Yes, sure as hell wasn't Louis Teague for sure. So those are the big differences between Cujo that you know take us from Cujo so far, still bottom of the barrel in this series yeah. to Cat's Eye, which. Well, not the best, not genius, mm-hmm. but shockingly entertaining. I'm putting this I, solidly in your camp. That's interesting, Jason, because I would put it more in your camp than mine. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is this is some gift of the Magi shit, right? <laughs> Jason, I sold my hair to make this movie bad. <laughs> <laughs> um... Wait, what did you like about it? I I felt like I agree with with almost everything you said. I I think that a lot of the acting is very strong, and I think it's it's shot. I think every shot in it varies from capable to very good. Um, yeah, I think the effects work in it is is inspired. I think in uh-huh. in that first. So the first story is about James Woods wants to give up smoking, so he goes to a mafia front group that uh, will use mafia techniques on you if you smoke. Right? They'll like assault your wife, which seems a little weird in 2019. <laughs> but you know, oh, yeah, I have something to say about that in a minute. <laughs> um, but. Uh, but there's this scene where he's at a party and like a guy takes a drag on a cigarette and then exhales smoke for 15 seconds just a long jet and then a painting starts smoking and I think all of that is brilliant um, I, th- I think that scene I feel like Louis Teague doesn't know when to stop but I feel like it's all genius um, mm-hmm. and I th- the last one is about Drew Barrymore having a pet cat that her mom thinks is going to steal her breath but there's actually a little demon in her wall that wants to steal her breath and the cat's fighting it and all of that is done in miniatures and on, on like larger scale sets with a guy in a suit and it's it's so well done so for mm-hmm. me all of the effect stuff was was brilliant but i also thought every single story dragged in the middle i thought all of them had stretches of being pretty boring oh uh, that's interesting that, I didn't. I didn't feel that. Especially, I'm going to say, especially the middle one. I thought for me, the first one was the strongest. James Woods wants to quit smoking. The the short film, I thought was a very strong film. It, uh, there, there, 
Yeah. I was like pretty much entertained the whole time. Even though part see for me, I think I honestly think the weakest part of this f- film, from my perspective, is the script. I think that I think that Stephen King has definitely it's written to be more cinematic than was Creepshow. Mm-hmm. But I also felt like he, I don't know, I felt like all of them felt kind of padded out to me. The first one, the least. The second That's one, I thought, dragged a ton. The second one, well, the, the first one has the most meat on the bone for sure. Sure. Yeah. And it also has James Woods, who is just, he's, you know... Yeah. Even if nothing's happening, he's going to, like, snarl yeah. and twist. Yeah. Uh, agreed. Yeah. So, th- and the first one, if they were all as entertaining as the first one, I would have been, like, hands down, good movie. Um, and, I'll, and I'll, you know, I'll settle for it falling in the good movie column overall. Uh, point for me. But I... Uh, but I do think that the second one in particular, and the third one to a degree, both really dragged for me. I I can see what you mean, and I think that that I think you're probably right. I did watch this while I was doing dishes and cleaning up the kitchen. I just had it on, so sure. I like it's possible that during the dragging sequences, I just was able to tune out a little more. You were scrubbing, yeah. Um, which it is. I mean, I'd say this is a great movie for doing the dishes too. Oh, super! Because it is. I would say. 75 to 80 percent of this movie is very entertaining yeah, yeah, yeah. I, well, I, okay so i feel like we don't disagree as much as as we think i just wanted to fight with this you. in like the t- no i'm glad that we did. i'm not putting it in the top camp no. i was more just like if i'm t- if i'm stepping back and taking this movie among all movies yeah it's not that great but it's, sure. it's it's fun enough and it has enough things that i specifically like yes like james woods yes like a practical goblin yes that comes out of the wall agreed um, like Baby Drew Barrymore, like Kenneth McMillan's performance like Kenneth at McMillan. insane <laughs> gambler. So that, and I also the the, the whole sequence of so the, the second story, the ledge, yeah. is about a guy who forces another guy to walk all the way around a super tall building on yes. a tiny ledge. Yeah, and I that like effectively got to me. Oh, that's interesting. It's like ledges do freak me out a little bit. Okay. So like that at least for me was like you know that that worked. I, I, I think for me, that story, I felt no tension of that guy walking around the ledge, but which partially, I, I think for a few reasons. One is, that whole story is sort of like a, I would say a stepped down version of the Leslie Nielsen story from uh, from Creepshow. If, oh, 100%. Um, and that's one of the things I wanted to talk about. But Kenneth McMillan, right? He is brilliant and and the whole thing starts with him get, betting with another guy whether the the cat that's in all of it can cross the street mm-hmm. um and the other guy's like well can i call the cat or whatever and kenneth mcmillan like six times screams anyone can do anything which i want as a ringtone <laughs> yes. it's so good uh and you're like oh this man is like manic and brilliant um yeah. and and i guess that's just setting us up for later he's gonna spray a hose at the other guy um but mm-hmm. i think i wanted it to play into the whole story more but but then so the other guy he makes walk around the ledge is like a character that's introduced a third of the way through the story and he's just a guy who's having sex with this main guy's wife and so i didn't have any empathy for him aside from like generalized (laughs) human being empathy um he's just like a guy but which as we've discussed maybe goes further for me than it does for you yeah exactly (laughs) um i was like i don't care about this guy and then him walking around the ledge seemed like it wasn't that hard like a bird pecks at him at one point and he like blows an air horn maybe and sprays a hose at him but nothing ever like it never feels like he's being derailed it feels like he just kind of walks around the top of a building you're like no it works better for me like he definitely i i thought that guy acted being afraid really well which which got me pretty good that's fair um 
and again, I, I might just be more afraid of things like that than you are. Sure. Like, I could see if we were in a situation where, like, a window needed to be opened, you jumping over the railing being like, yes, no problem, there's a, there's a ledge right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And being like, okay, I'm going to move very carefully across the ledge to get it. And you're like, what are you talking about? There's a ledge. Why don't we just use the ledge? <laughs> just walk with your feet on the ledge, Jason. It's, yeah, it's that, wider that, than a foot, so it's fine. <laughs> um, so the, the one thing I did want to talk about with this movie yes. that you brought up a little bit already is that there is... The rapey bit? <laughs> Yeah, well, there's this theme kind of emerging through these movies. Mm -hmm. Didn't expect, maybe because I didn't read enough King um, to have have seen it before, but wives get a really raw deal. Yes. Stephen Stephen King King loves teenage boys, to to the near exception of everyone else. And then yeah. has sympathy for adult men and does not care about women. Well, so here's the thing, though. Young is- girls, I guess, to a degree. But, like, adult women, I don't... Has he ever had a... Well, I don't know. Say what you're saying. I, well, I, I'd have to think about that. I, right. I'd have to... to I, I, I would have to think more about sure, sure. adult women in, in his work overall. I don't have a thesis on that yet. But the wives thing specifically... Sure. And families... Yeah getting a really raw deal. Yeah. It does make me feel like what we're seeing, and maybe I'm reading too much into this, but, I mean, we have, you know, The Shining. Mm-hmm. Husband goes crazy. Mm-hmm. His wife and kid and tries to murder them. Yes. We have the story in Creepshow with Leslie Nielsen. Yes. Where the, you know, wife is is punished. Mm-hmm husband um you even see it she's murdered off screen yeah but like but the husband's clearly depicted as insane right like yeah, he, yeah. He's this evil insane guy and, and that that punishment's part of his evil sure um which i think is important and uh cujo mm-hmm. you know it's a it's a wife and son being terrorized by a rabid dog mm-hmm. an animal that's out of control mm-hmm uh, the husband is is too far away or impotent or or detached from being able to to stop. Mm-hmm. Gets there too late anyway. Yeah. He gets there after the wife has already taken care of business. Yeah, um, that would actually be one of the one of the kind of exceptions. Yeah, what you were saying is like, um, yeah, yeah, the 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 mother does finish it off. Like, kind of though, she's like too weak to do it for several days. It's not until her child literally dies in her arms that she musters the strength. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 but it, it is still this, like she, at least in the movie, she keeps them alive that long. She keeps trying. Like, I, I agree that it's poorly done, but the intent, I think seems to be to depict her in a heroic light. Um, I don't totally agree with that, but <laughs> well, no. I mean, she also is is she's trifling. Yeah, that's part of she what brings all this down. <laughs> um, but so, but but we have this like like an ongoing thing. The the wife and Firestarter is killed, mm-hmm. um, and so then we have this story where James Woods' wife is kidnapped and subject to electric shocks yeah. in a blank room. Yes. Because that is the technique that Quitters Incorporated, which is a mafia-run yeah. outfit to get people to stop smoking. Which is I, a the most charming beautiful part idea. is that they're like, oh, an old mafia boss died of lung cancer, so we started this anti-smoking group. Yeah, like, so the, the way they do it is they threaten your way. family. Yeah, 
And like so, it's what they know. You know James Woods comes in and goes, "Oh, so what's the idea? You should you electric shock me until I stop smoking?" And like, no, we electric shock your wife, and yeah. you have to watch. Yeah. <laughs> and like, that's a really solid idea, but it also it crystallized for me what I feel like is happening through all of this because it's the husband watching the wife suffer and not being able to stop it, yeah. and the wife is suffering because the husband is weak. Yeah, because the husband is. I'm leaning into it here. Yeah. Addicted to something. I feel like all of these stories have been barely coded oh, messages yeah. about Stephen King's sublimated guilt about the horrors he must have put his family through for yeah. his addiction. Oh, I... Yeah. No, I, I do feel like all of the films, Stephen King films that I've watched so far, are are very thinly veiled. I don't think I've ever watched one and been like, oh, I don't know what Stephen King was going through while he was writing this. Yeah. They're all... They're so directly about him and his current struggles yeah and it does seem like a lot of it is about him doing coke and being a terrible member of his family i just hadn't put it together quite to that like yeah huge degree and it like it almost makes sense that cujo is the one is the book that he least remembers writing yeah and the whole story of cujo because well, he's gone husband he's gone for absent. all of cujo yeah exactly that's yeah, why he doesn't the husband remember. is absent and is functionally replaced yeah in the trio by, by a completely out of control deadly animal yeah like that I, you couldn't you can't make a more perfect analogy <laughs> than that yeah that he made in a subconscious cocaine fugue <laughs> yeah. just writing it like that it, it almost it actually has increased my respect for him as an artist <laughs> outputting something true and felt as opposed to writing things that he thinks are cool. Oh, like, sure. I always felt like King was a real writer. Yeah. And I, I, I've said this over and over again. Yes. Not a genius, but not a hack. Yeah. Like, he's a legit writer. He's he's really, he's coming to the job and, and doing the work and thinking it through and trying to create characters and situations that feel real. But this is the first time I felt like, oh no, he has demons that he's are working through in yeah. these stories. Jason, do you know the official term for a guy who isn't who's halfway between a genius and a and a hack? It's, you call them a gene hack man. <laughs> um no I agree with <laughs> I agree with you. The it it does feel like it's he's like I feel like all of these stories are halfway to being diaries. He's like half a diarist. It's just him. Yeah. It's, well, and it makes yeah. sense for somebody who writes so much that the that it would just come out that way, right? Yeah, like, yeah, because yeah, he's just just it's like pure id his writing yeah. style, right? It's just like psyche to page. Yeah, and I mean, especially when he was in in the height the of his days. Like, you know, cigarettes and cocaine and, yeah. and booze and like just stripped down to, you know, to the Lacanian reel. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, like I was, I was trying to explain to my, I showed my students uh, some surrealist films the other day. Mm hmm. And I was trying to explain to them the project of surrealism in a very brief manner without sure. getting too deeply into it. Sure. Uh, and they were kind of stuck, some of them were kind of stuck on the notion of like, well, how did they do this? Like, how did they come up with these ideas? How would they write this together? Sure. Because it doesn't, it's not like you can make up a story and then figure out how the story goes or like what makes sense. Like they have to create these, these, uh, 
anti-rational vignettes that then somehow also stitch together. Yeah. And my my glib answer was like, well, as somebody who's written things with somebody else, I'm pretty sure they just went in a room and yelled ideas at each other yes. and still came back out. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's the easy answer. But then I gave them some examples of some of the techniques that surrealists like would automatic be, writing in a certain state. Yeah, yeah, like automatic writing, where, like, you'd make yourself stay up for a week and then go to bed and then set your alarm to wake you up in 20 minutes and just write whatever is in your mind, you know? Yeah. And I feel like King's output is so prolific that his writing must become at a certain point almost automatic writing like in terms of the the concerns and the feelings that bleed into this just logaritic output that he creates well one of the other methods of automatic writing is lots of drugs right it seems like yeah, he's, yeah. He's, well, and i mentioned that too yeah he's functionally just doing that but yeah but pushing really hard to make a narrative come out of it which obviously the the surrealists and Dadaists were not. They were like... Yeah. It's like if Jack Kerouac was a horror writer and also felt bad about anything ever. <laughs> we're, we're like a true sympathetic human being and yeah, and also de- dealt with... Uh, that's it, really. That's the only difference. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like I talked way too much right now, but I just... I was really excited by that revelation. That's a good revelation. I think that's an important uh, lens for us to use on all, yeah. on all these and it'll it'll go away presumably as he kicks cocaine and and moves on to other concepts Has, having seen a few of his movies from later in his career i do think that it remains true but it shifts away from cocaine guilt i i okay. don't think i don't think he ever stops writing about directly what's happening in his brain at the moment oh no that's what i mean i yeah, mean yeah. it'll shift away from the cocaine guilt the, the yeah, yeah of specific theme of this group okay. movie yeah. which is <laughs> A family is terrorized because of the husband's A, insanity, B, absence, yeah. C, weakness. Weaknesses, yeah. You know? Agreed. Um, I also might just relate to that concept. <laughs> I'm sure you're a great Personally, present dad. I'm sure I am, but I've spent my entire life believing that people will suffer because of my weakness or like my inability to be on top of things so like i uh, definitely sure. in a in a very self-involved way really relate to to that kind of narrative sure yeah, yeah. it's yeah it's a very relatable guilt right you're like yeah. i'm going to fail and everyone else will feel it yeah yeah, yeah exactly. that's i mean like the only I reason actually... i do anything at all jason that's why <laughs> that's why i clear my evenings to talk to you for the podcast that's why but i, I get any I work done actually raised catholic but i still somehow genetically inherited my grandfather's catholicism in terms of guilt and shame yeah yeah. you also literally inherited his weird old vet's tools that is the case (laughs) the case it's the Um, case of vet tools i this feels like oh then go ahead i have two other things i want to mention is that okay um, please, I've talked the entire time. I'm going to just shut up now. One is that there's a f- fun runner. The, the third story in this film, the cat is is a main character. And and so there are bits in the first two where the cat just sort of passes through the story, where Drew Barrymore appears in like a shop window, or I don't remember where it is in the second one, and is like, <laughs> you have to find me, you must save me. Uh, <laughs> and you're like, what is happening? Um, and, then, and then in the third section the cat has to save her from the monster in a wall but that's like a cute little runner they put through the whole thing um at the beginning of that third story um when the cat runs into the house they do this thing where it's from the point of view yes. of the goblin running yes. into that house, and you hear that little like <laughs> but i didn't 
quite I, I even rewatched it a second time because I wasn't sure exactly what I'd seen because yes. I was doing dishes and I still couldn't tell if it was the cat it was supposed to be the cat or yeah. not. Yeah, I thought it was well, just the cat's internal model. Because at that point, they haven't actually introduced sneer. the little goblin creature. So the cat's running through the woods, and you're watching the cat, and then they cut to a view that might as well be the cat's. Like, maybe it's going through a different part of the woods, but you can't tell. Yeah, and it's like... <laughs> I, yeah, I thought they were just introducing that as the cat's... Yeah, you're like, oh, that's what the cat does. <laughs> Yeah, no, I had the same experience, and I was especially because like, then the creature comes out of the wall later. So yeah. why did it have to run into the house to begin? Why with? Why was it in the woods? I'm still not convinced that wasn't the cat POV, except that, <laughs> except that the rest of the movie has the cat in it, and we never see that except for that one moment. I don't. It was, well, it's and, a very and the goblin makes those sounds. Oh, that's true. The goblin does so it's like sense. obviously it wasn't meant to be the goblin, right. but it was just done in such a way that I swore it was the it cat. Feels like the cat. It definitely feels like. The cat. <sighs> All right. Well, that—that's cat's eye. Cat's y'all. eye. Eye <laughs> of the tiger, which is a kind of a cat. The other thing I wanted to mention is that the the mother in the third story doesn't want Drew Barrymore to have this cat in the house, General, uh, because is the name of the cat. General is the cat's name mm-hmm. be- because it's going to steal her breath, which is the second time Stephen King has used that that bit. Uh, Wait, which was the first one? Remind me. I don't remember. Or don't. <laughs> if I remembered, I would. But there was definitely a movie we watched earlier where someone was afraid cats would steal your breath. Um, I can't remember. The, uh, no, yeah, yeah, whatever. But that's her like primary motivator to keep the cat outside. And then we find out that this little wall creature is literally trying to steal her breath. And then the the cat kills the little wall monster. Um, and at the end of the movie, the cat hops up on sleeping Drew Barrymore and crawls up to her face. And she, like, wakes up and breathes in its face. And I was like, oh, is the thesis of this story that cats don't have to steal your breath because you just willingly give it to them? Because that's part of (laughs) having a creature you love is that you give it some of your breath. See, this is where your beautiful, beautiful openness to things (laughs) more interesting than they are works against you. Because it's just a cheap misdirection. It was just... uh, Wants you to wonder, oh, is the cat actually going to steal her breath? Was it competing with the goblin for her breath? But then she just wakes up and they nuzzle. Are you sure? Heartwarming, 100%. (laughs) That's not not the movie I saw, Jason. (laughs) Uh, That did remind me that there was one other thing I wanted to mention in Cat's Eye. No, we're done. Hell to the King is a special presentation of the Synesthesia Podcast, produced by Iguana Donald Studios, and distributed by Split Tooth Media. Music by Loyalty Freak. Hell to the King is recorded live before E, except after C. Cat's eye! Synesthesia.